That's Abdul Wahab. And uh, you've just heard our feature artist for today on JJ's Music Box. So all that remains is for me to welcome back Jayan Javeri to the show to tell us more about the life of this great man. Good afternoon to you, Jayan. Good afternoon, Sadia. So nice to see you again. Lovely to have you on the program. And that was quite an interesting um, track. When I was listening to it, I could hear that it was almost straight from a vinyl because you could hear this like kind of crackly there. So when, when was that from? That was from 1941. Wow. It's probably been remastered from a 78 RPM. Wow. And uh, it was from uh, the song uh, was titled Yam Safar Vahdak if I get my Arabic pronunciation mm-hmm. right, which means the lonely, oh, lonely traveler. Mm-hmm. And was it from a movie called Mamnua El Hub, which means forbidden love. Mm-hmm. And uh, was a Romeo and Ju- probably an Egyptian version of Romeo and Juliet set in the 1940s. Oh, very romantic. Sounds very nice. Which, which featured Muhammad Al, uh, Abdel Wahab as uh, the, uh, lead, in the lead, uh, and he was singing his own song. I mean, it's amazing how many of these artists that we've come across um, in the last you know, couple of months, where they are so multi-talented, not only are they composing and singing, but they're also acting. So another gentleman who's acting as well. Yep, acting, singing and composing. Fantastic. And it just so happens that today is his 31st yes. death anniversary. Which is a coincidence. That's that's amazing, isn't it? Because you mentioned this just before we went on air. And how about that? There must have been something destined for us to, to look at this today, I think. <laughs> <laughs> quite so, quite so. So, so um, tell me about him. Now, I, I, I honestly, um, I probably haven't heard any of his music, but I did listen to your last track, which sounded fantastic. So, so tell me, what, how, did his, how did his music career start? Well, he was born uh, in about 120 years ago, uh, mm-hmm. in 1902 in Cairo. Mm-hmm. In fact, the area where he was born still has a big statue of his. And he had a career which spanned more than seven decades. I mean, wow. nearly 71 or 72 years. Gosh, gosh. Right. Um, he was seven when he gave his first performance. <laughs> and <laughs> Child prodigies, I, I tell you. Gosh. And 13 when he cut his first record. Wow, that's amazing, mm. isn't it? You know, it was an interesting story that his family wanted him to join a religious school and do religious studies, but he rebelled and uh, wanted to study music. Mm-hmm. There wasn't any music in, in their family, so it wasn't something not, that no. he'd grown up with or anything like that. No, not at all, not at all. Just inborn talent. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he studied music and... Uh, you know, over time, his rich baritone voice enthralled millions in the Arab world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he started his uh, career in movies. Okay. Um, and this was a time um, in the late 1920s and 30s where, uh, you know, movies were moving from the silent era to the talky era. Mm-hmm. And he introduced um, this new genre of movies in Egypt, uh, which were musical comedies, and they portrayed a westernized elite. Mm -hmm. And he had a film career which spanned from 1933 to 49. 
So, quite a substantial amount of time spent in um, movies then. And he's quite a, I mean, his young, I have a picture of him on the Facebook. I mean, he is, he was quite a good looking man, you know. He's quite a handsome young man there. Um, hmm. Apparently was very tall and um, uh, very gentlemanly in his manners. And... um, of his movies, there's a movie called The White Rose, which was released in 1934, which was the biggest commercial success and broke all attendance records in those days. Wow, that's amazing. He went on to <laughs> produce and feature in eight musical comedies through the 30s um, and the 40s. And in 1950, he left movies to focus on his music and composing uh, and singing a career. Mm-hmm. So that was quite late on then, was it? In terms That's of age? correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, he had already been singing yes. in his films. Yes. Oh, right. So they didn't need a playback singer for him then. That's absolutely fine. Yeah, no, <laughs> not at all. And, and you know, it's, it's quite interesting that uh, in many ways this mirrors another singer-composer-actor that we profiled, Kishore Kumar. Kishore, mm, absolutely, because he was um, acting as well. And he was quite a comical kind of gentleman, wasn't he, on, that, on the screen? That's correct. Yeah, I think that uh, uh, persona-wise, uh, Abdul Wahab and Kishore Kumar couldn't be more different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he seems <laughs> to be a much more sort of um, composed and graceful kind of gentleman in terms of even in he, his acting, probably. Yes, he doesn't come across as the kind of wild spinning top that Kishore Kumar was. Yes, yes. Ooh. So, um, and when he um, uh, started focusing on music, um, naturally, as a composer, he was very influenced by Western classical music. Mm-hmm. And his biggest contribution to Arabic classical music and Arabic song was the introduction of Western-style orchestras. So he had big string sections mm-hmm. um, and uh, later on even incorporated instruments like the electric guitar and uh, Latin percussion uh, which became a hallmark of his music. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was no surprise that he was criticized for it, but the public just loved it. Okay, so it went down really well. That's good. That's yeah. great. Mm-hmm. And that is what, uh, in that style of orchestration, persists, persists still today. I mm-hmm. mean, if you look at acoustic music, not the electronica, which you would hear, but they still use that kind of manner of orchestration and the manner of harmonies. And again, you know, the juxtaposition of classical Arabic singing with their quarter tone melodies mm-hmm. and Western harmonies is uh, is something. To, I mm. mean, you heard that in uh, the first song. Mm. Um, and that also parallel, the, another parallel that I can draw is when you look at Bollywood, where you have, you know, the Indian classical type singing, which mm. is juxtaposed with the Western orchestration. Yes, yes, yes. There's a lot of, kind somehow, of experimentation that goes on there, isn't there, in terms of the music and what they do with it. That's correct. And um, that somehow has worked uh, very well for those cultures. Um, it might be, uh, it might take some getting used to if you're a Western ear, but uh, having grown up in that, it's um, kind of quite normal to listen to sounds like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm. So... Um, you know, he used he he perf- uh, the uh, he performed a lot for the Egyptian royal family, King Farouk and the princes. Okay, and he was often dubbed the singer of princes and kings in those days. Mm-hmm. But then, 
as you may recall, in 1952, Egypt went through a revolution mm -hmm. and the monarchy was overthrown. Right. And I think that uh, quite smartly enough, Abdul Wahab then switched to writing patriotic songs. Yes, I was just going to ask us, that was one, romantic songs and patriotic songs were what he was known for. So that made That's him do that then. That's correct, um, and um, he was no. Uh, he had a several uh, patriotic songs to his credit, and so uh, also on that subject, you know, Abdul Wahab composed national anthems of three countries. Yeah, that that sounds quite amazing because I know you mentioned this to me, and so you know, uh, which countries were they that he actually did those for? Uh, Tunisia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the United Arab Emirates mm -hmm. and uh, Libya. And do they still stand the way that, that he composed them? Are they still the same or has it been cha changed? Well, um, except for Libya, the other two have uh, remained the same. I think Libya changed during the Gaddafi years, but mm -hmm. then they reinstated the Libyan national anthem. That's quite a legacy, know. that, isn't it? To have two, three national anthems that you've sure. actually put together. That's, a, that's quite a thing. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And... Um, so he had a very flourishing career uh, as a, a composer and singer during the 50s and the 60s. And in fact, um, he was considered a rival of another Egyptian artist whom we have met before, Um Kultum. Oh, oh. Yeah. They were kind of vying. They were, I mean, at least in, in among, amidst, I suppose, the Egyptian media and the um, public uh, and they were out they at the same time, were they? they were, uh, yes, they were out at the same times, time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. they, were, they were able to draw uh, you know, a lot of attention, I mean, a lot of large crowds to themselves. And um, uh, however, he ended up composing for Um Kultum in the 1960s and in fact gave her her single biggest hit, oh. Inta Umri, um, oh. You're My Life. Oh my goodness. Oh, in 1964. Nice. It's nice to see them work together like that then, that, that there wasn't this huge competition. Sure. And the thing is that if you listen to the songs that he composed for Um Kultum, he brought his, that slight Western influence um, uh, to the orchestration. And uh, of course, these Arabic songs, because they're classical poetry, and they go on for quite some time. A song can go on to up to 25 minutes, 20, 25 oh, minutes, right? Yes, you mentioned and that the first one we played, which was only about four minutes, was initially what, about eight minutes long. Yes, about eight minutes, yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, uh, it was quite something to see both of these stalwarts coming together mm -hmm. in, at that time. Mm. And um, he also composed for another uh, big name in Arabic uh, music, Fairuz from Lebanon. Oh, right. Uh-huh. Yeah. And in fact, um, he's uh, uh, gone on record as having said that he was the chairman of the Fairuz fan club in Cairo. <laughs> this was in the 1950s. Okay. And I think, I think, although it's, it's, it's uh, my guess is, that that did not sit well with Um Kultum fans. <laughs> they might have thought it was, you know, quite deliberate on his part to have said something like that. But of course, you know, artists are artists, musicians, yeah. you know, yeah. they, they'll always find common ground. They come together, mm. you know, and everything mm. is forgotten, you know. That's right. And these two people, Um Kultum and uh, Abdul Wahab, uh, did make music history. That's amazing. So in terms of his music, like how are people, is it still played? Are people using some of his lyrics and is it still alive in that respect? 
Well, you know, as with any music which is timeless, which is um, uh, uh, revolutionary, of course, I, I don't mean to use that word in a political sense, mm -hmm. but um, definitely in a musical sense, mm -hmm. which is, uh, you know, paradigm shifting music mm -hmm. and it's timeless, it's bound to be imitated and uh, uh, recast and replayed. So, yes, uh, I mean, a lot of his music is being used in um, uh, remixes, lounge mixes, um, and also some of his songs, um, uh, in fact, the one that you're going to hear at the end of the program, mm -hmm. has also been uh, redone by Cuban uh, oh, music groups. I heard a teeny bit of that. I, lo I love the music and I've been looking forward to hearing the rest of it. Good. Sure. So, so I mean, it is still very much what he produced then, as you said, like lots of people do try and imitate it. And then there's lots of fusion stuff and remixes and things like that. So it's just still very much there in, you know, in the environment, people are still listening. Yeah. And, and of course, his biggest contribution is and his lasting legacy is the uh, orchestral styles that he introduced, mm -hmm. which are still being used today. I mean, mm. uh, basically modern Arabic music. Uh, uh, when I say modern, I mean the one uh, the one which dates back from the 1930s up till up till now. Uh, it's uh, overwhelmingly his style. Mm. And when did mm. you when did you personally? I always ask you this actually. When did you come across him? Is it something that you know? Why you were so you know? When did he come into your life? Well, he came into my life when uh, the legendary Lata Mangeshkar mentioned him to me. Oh, right. And it's amazing, her... isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so what did she yeah. say about him? Um, you know, she was talking about uh, her favorite music and she mentioned these two names from Egypt. And I, I kind of looked at her, you know, quite with a blank stare. And she said that, well, if you haven't heard them, you haven't heard music. Oh. You know? And I was quite something coming from that stalwart. She said that you've got to listen to both of them. Oh. Go and listen and then you'll know what I'm talking about. It's so it's nice. True. Yeah, it's so it's just so nice when you hear how much admiration there is in artists for other artists. And, you know, and, and I suppose they all learn from from the work of others as well. It's a kind of two way street, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Mm. And um, that's that's the greatness of them all, I yes. would say. Yes, to be able to accept. I mean, you know, competition is competition, but to actually admire somebody else and the talent that they have and the skills that they have is, is something else in itself. It's a gracious thing and it's a lovely thing. Sure. Mm. So, so now, how about the end and his legacy? Because I know, you know, as you said, today is his death anniversary. Um, yeah. So He died in... 1991, uh, uh, which must have been at the age of 89 years. Mm -hmm. And in fact, he's credited as having revived the um, uh, Arabic music industry just a few years before his death with a song uh, which he composed. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it was quite a glorious uh, end. And uh, he was accorded a state funeral uh, which would have been made a head of state proud by Egypt, That's like a six, you know, a mm -hmm. horse-drawn carriage with six horses and the army, navy and air force, the prime minister and the entire cabinet in attendance. That's really... Not a dry eye in the audience. I mean... That's his legacy then, isn't it? And did he leave back, uh, did he leave a family? Did he have a wife and children or anything? Not that, I mean, um, I've, I've not uh, read much about mm -hmm. his, uh, his personal family. Life. Yeah. His personal life. 
Um, but, um, you know, he's, uh, uh, you know, he was dubbed the musician of generations. And what he does leave back is, as he said, you know, um, uh, the paradigm shift in Arabic music that and the trail that he blazed mm. and so, composing for some of the most famous singers in the Arab world. Okay, So now tell me about the track we're about to play. We have about 30 seconds before I'm going to put that on. So tell me about this it's track. Called, it's called Hayati. That means my life. It's uh, uh, an instrumental track that he composed and it has got overtones of rumba. Oh, yes, that's what I heard. Um, Jayung, thank you so much again. It's always lovely to hear you and I just learned so much from it. So here he is. We're going to we're going to play that track for him now. And what was it Thanks. called again? Do you want to just repeat what it was? Hayati. Okay. Thank you very much, Jayung. Thank you.